0: I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy Podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to an all-new Better Podcasting live chat. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is the wonderful SP...
1: How you doing, everyone? I am excited to be here to talk some podcasting night and answer your podcasting questions with my lovely co-host, the darling Stephen Jondra.
0: Oh, I've been waiting for you to call me lovely for so long. Thank you very much, SP.
1: Oh, you're welcome, my dear.
0: Oh, if that didn't make people drop off, I don't know what will. Thanks for checking out another Better Podcasting live chat. If this is the first time you've checked it out, that's the sort of stuff you get here at the live chat. We are unscripted. We just take the questions that people have asked us and talk about some of the latest happenings in the world of podcasting. That's what we do here every other week on the Better Podcasting live chat. And as a reminder, you can check out all of the better podcasting shows, this and the better podcasting live chat episodes at betterpodcasting.com.
1: You you wanted the reverb there, didn't you? You <sighs> wanted did. the deep voice, you wanted the compressed EQ, you wanted the dot com, dot com, dot com, dot com. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a fun, interesting week in podcasting. I went back, took a look at the last two weeks' worth of news. Since we did the last Better Podcasting Live, and I didn't find really much until this week. So this week, there has been quite a plethora of stuff to talk about. And do you want to start talking about stuff or do you want to answer some questions to start out with? Well,
0: let's start off with a question. And I I think we should start off with something that we had uh, come up from Jason M. Bryant. It's about video and multi-streaming. As we mentioned, we do stream the show live on Tuesdays. And if we're not doing this show, the other weeks we're doing the main show and we do stream that. And Jason and Brian's question is, what's your general opinion on multi-streaming? StreamYard and Restream have made this very functional and easier. But what issues do you guys have and what issues do you think people need to be aware of when trying to answer chats from multiple sources, etc.? So let's talk about this a little bit for a second here, because doesn't always have to be video some audio only might want to do this who are streaming live if you're choosing to stream live your show you might choose to go in one place like YouTube or you might choose to stream on uh Twitch or something like that but multi-streaming has really picked up we've actually multi-streamed on and off for a very long time because we've used Xsplit for this show and I've had the ability to send to different places and And that's come and gone over the years, but pretty consistently for Better Podcasting, we have streamed to multiple locations for the last year or two. I would think probably two years because of Restream. Restream is a service that I send this feed out to, and then it sends it out to a bunch of different places. And my personal opinion on this is that there are some pros, but there are a lot of cons as well, especially if you're trying to interact with people. I kind of have been thinking I might want to go back to just one location. I've been thinking about that for for a little while. I haven't ruled that out for sure. But the thing is, when you've got multiple locations, you have multiple chat rooms to kind of monitor. If you're using something like Restream, where it consolidates the chat rooms, then that makes it easier for you. But it also might feel a little weird for the listeners if they're seeing not actual users, because the restream chat service will relay messages from one to another, but it's not transparent, like it's not just looking like that person's there on YouTube. No, it says that they're responding on Discord or wherever. So it's not the most straightforward for people. If you don't have a way to consolidate those chat rooms, then it becomes a lot to try to manage for sure and um can be hard to do so the other thing as well is you're kind of splitting your growth so you might be able to really grow say your twitch channel if you focus on it and then of course there's all the other things the legalities if you are one of the the twitch i don't know what is it they say affiliates where you're not if if you reach affiliate status you are not able to multi-stream as part of the condition so there's a bunch of Questions that you got to ask yourself. I, I kind of tend to think maybe choose a place and just go with that because Restream does cost money as well to, to do all of the different functions. Um, there is free tier, but which I, I believe I am using, but there are other functions that other people want to have um, that they might want to pay for. So I don't know. It, it's a bit of a mixed bag, in my opinion.
1: I do use StreamYard for Legends of Shield. I have, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, I have learned that Restream might be a better option actually. And I'm cheap, I am free. And I do it for Legends of Shield. And uh, since audio is our main product there, video is just largely so we can see each other as we're recording. So there's less overtalk, we don't jump over each other, that sort of thing. And there are the odd viewers that come in. We do have a handful that come in to actually watch the video side of things. And from, just from the backup standpoint, I kind of wish I was streaming to more places. But as long as I get that recording from YouTube after the fact that I can do a video edit from, a quick video edit from, then I'm fine with that. So that is my take from a hobbyist. However, if I had a bigger show that was more lending itself to video, if I was making money from said video show, I would want to make accommodations for my audience wherever they were. So far, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is only on YouTube. If I expanded that to Twitch, Facebook, because Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. does have a Facebook page. I don't have access to it, but uh, the ladies do. For those that don't know, I was kicked off of Facebook a few years ago, so I don't have a Facebook account as Stargate Pioneer. So I could go to those places and I could hook in other places as well. In the past, I, I've streamed using a convoluted method to Periscope on Twitter. Um, I don't need to do that for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's not that big of a deal. And I think most people that listen to better podcasting are not video podcasters. No. So I'm, I'm speaking to most of them out there right now as I get you and I am doing Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. the way that you probably would do your own show that way. Uh, multi-streaming really doesn't have that drive for me because of the chat room disparity. I want the chat that we happen to have to be integrated into the service that we are using. I think Restream does that. So if I switch over to Restream, I might go to different places, but StreamYard it's just one place. It's one location that I can do it for free for free. Again, I'm not, I don't want to pay for this. Now, are the free options for StreamYard and Restream going to be there forever? No, it's like Hangouts on Air for YouTube. They're going to get rid of it eventually. I understand this and I will pay a reasonable amount to have that capability. But for now, I'm just going to use the free thing. And that is Legends of Shield and StreamYard. Uh, I will try restream, but I haven't yet, so I can't comment fully on it. But I do like what I see. I have done mm. some research on it, and I do like what I see over there.
0: Yeah, and I am using the free tier until unless a deal comes along <laughs> every now and then for for a, a a certain amount of standard, and then I get that. But yeah, it's a good question, um, and I think that's something that you kind of need to apply whenever you're trying to grow your podcast audience anywhere in specific. Whether you want to try to grow it specifically in one spot or try to diversify and grow it in multiple places.
1: I, I will say, in Jason's particular case, in a lot of people's case that want to do this, one of the things you have to think about is long term searchability and long term content creation, not creation, but curation. And if that is better off on multiple platforms, the same show, the same live show on multiple platforms, so you, so you have stack shows then so be it like long streams on Facebook and Mm -hmm. YouTube. And as far as I know, Twitch only gives you a, a couple of weeks or a month or something like that with your live stream videos before they take them down. So if that is what you want for discoverability purposes and maybe as a news organization, because Jason does some news type podcasts, basically, I mean, a sports based podcast. So he's uh, doing interviews with athletes at events or after events, that sort of stuff or getting ready for events. Uh, I I think you have to take that into account. And if streaming to multiple platforms is beneficial, then by all means, uh, go that way. But if you're only streaming to one place, like I am with Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., make sure you're doing it uh, with a platform that you're comfortable with, because there might be some terms of service long term Mm. that you're not comfortable with. And make sure that it is something that will retain your content for as long as you want to. We've been spoiled with YouTube quite a bit for (laughs) the last 15 years.
0: I would agree with that through all of the things that we've done over the last um, while, especially with, with uh, our streaming and stuff. We've always had that to fall back on. And, and that's just because we you like it has spoiled us. YouTube has spoiled us as, as society because it's it's reliable. It uh, is a place it's free. It's free. It's a place that a lot of people go to. And that means they can do whatever they want with terms of service but we won't go down that rabbit hole
1: <laughs> not not tonight i mean we might some other time but the problem with other services well first of all mixer doesn't exist anymore that was a competitor for a while but it's largely for the video gamers right and then there's twitch which i just mentioned doesn't keep your content up there forever especially for free and i understand that too so that leaves youtube which it's free and It is indexed. They have an algorithm. But if somebody finds your channel, they can go and view all your past videos. So they're there. And I I think that's a fallback position right now. I don't know if it'll last forever, but it certainly has lasted for a while. It's lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. They're able to make money on their big content creators right now. I watch a lot of sailing YouTube channels. I've made no secret about that. And there's plenty of them that make money for YouTube as well as themselves. So YouTube is making money out of content creators, just not us, because we we don't have the audience for that.
0: So thanks again for asking that. And if you have any input, uh, we would love it if you would come to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord and let us know what you think about all of that there. Before we get to another uh, piece of question, feedback, whatever you want to call it, from uh, our Discord. I just wanted to comment. Johnny Pennington in our chat room today has commented. He says, quote, Mr. John Drew, you have your brother's fine 3D made mic flag hidden tonight. I bet he's watching in disappointment. First, Johnny, he's always watching in disappointment whenever he watches me stream, okay? Doesn't matter whether I mean, that, the flag's that's up it. or not.
1: <laughs> that's me too. I just, oh my gosh, Stevens up there again. Yes, disappointing. Anyway, that was one thing. Was there another?
0: Yeah, number two. Johnny, very disappointed in you. Very disappointed. It's been gone for weeks because I was too lazy to put it back up after the great Mike Flag fall of 2021. Uh, this was <laughs> a few weeks ago. We talked about it actually on Better Podcasting Live Chat, I think. Um, unless it was the after show of Better Podcasting, we might have. But what happened was
1: after- No, it, it was on Gunna Geek.
0: Yeah, I know. Sorry, it was on Gunna Geek, but we talked about it on the live chat, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I- but maybe it was- We talked about it sometime that we stream better podcasting, whether it was in the live chat or it was after us recording of better podcasting. What happened was uh, a a few weeks back on the Gunny Geek Show, SP, Chris, and I were just BSing after the show, and I adjust my microphone because I have this habit of of moving my microphone around after we go off off air. Like you guys wouldn't have seen it, but like once we stop streaming. Chris and SP have seen it. I, I generally get all back in my chair. I just fidget with my microphone, and I, and I was fidgeting with it, and the whole thing just fell off. The, uh, boom. The boom, just the, the Rode uh, Procaster microphone just fell off. And then as I was trying to thread it on again, it fell again. So um, anyways, I, I I finally got it back, threaded back on, and then I realized that my mic flag was missing, and so I've just been too lazy to put it back on.
1: Yeah, it'll come back on at some point. Maybe when you switch back to the uh, Audio Technica BP40 or something like that.
0: How about uh, for the audio listener? I'm just going to balance it on my shock mount.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Are you going to turn it on? There we go. Oh, there we go. It's turned on. Uh, Damien asked in the chat, he was actually the first question in the Discord that we posted earlier, that I posted earlier today. I said, Hey, we're going to go on the live chat. Do you guys have any podcasting questions? Damien said, how do you feel about the ambies? And you're just goading us a little bit with that. But, uh, Stephen, do you know what the ambies are?
0: Hmm. Sounds familiar. I think this is the first time I'm hearing about it. Maybe you could enlighten me about the ambies and all of your thoughts on the ambies.
1: Okay. Have you heard of the Podcast Academy? Hmm. Podcast Academy.
0: Academy. I think it's
1: Podcasters Academy, actually. Mm. But have you heard of it?
0: Podcasters Academy. Mm. No, I, I'm going to say that I haven't.
1: <laughs> Which I know is false. For those of you that don't know, the Podcasters Academy was set up uh, pre-pandemic, actually. They started uh, just before the pandemic started, and they went on a membership drive to try to get uh, to try to professionalize and standardize the industry a little bit when it came to uh, like the IMDB-ish and some awards and just a standard throughout the industry that other entertainment media has already had you think the golden globes let's not get into that controversy you think the oscars or the academy awards over there with with films and you think the Grammys over the music—that's the kind of vibe that they were going into. Podcasting has evolved uh, relatively fast in terms of those industries, but it's gotten to a point where there was a commercialized part of it that uh, wanted some sort of legitimized awards that weren't just based off of a single company like the iHeart Media iHeart Radio Media Awards or whatever podcast awards. So. They had this awards called the Ambies and I'm not, I'm not going to go into how to get your podcasts in there uh, for the awards, but there was a whole process for that. And then there was a review process where they actually brought on boards of podcast related people, whether they were hosts, producers, uh, companies, that sort of thing. And they, We're looking at 23, I believe, individual categories of podcasts. We covered it a few months ago when they came. I think it was April when the nomination lists came out. We covered it that it was largely industry based. There was very little independence. I know I mentioned that on this show right here. Well, the awards happened Sunday night. They were streamed live. I have not had a chance to watch them. It was not on my priority list based off of the industryness of it and the fact that there wasn't any independents that were nominated. I didn't know anybody in there. I knew some people behind the scenes that were involved, but I, I didn't know anybody that was right up front with any of these shows. Podcasting is a big space right now, and there's just a lot of shows that i don't know about and I haven't interacted with. Well, I just took a look at the winners and there was 23 winners. And then I started looking at the names of the companies that were being produced as well as where these podcasts were actually hosted. And I was particularly looking at companies that produce podcasts that were named multiple times So this is kind of like Sony Studios won half of the Academy Awards or uh, CBS won half of the Golden Globes or or something like that. So this was the layout. 16 of the 23 came from just six or seven companies. So five came from Wondery, four came from Crooked Media, three came from Q-Code, two came from NPR, one came from W. NYC studios, and one came from BBC. So that is 16 out of the 23 right there. All studios that either had multiple wins or studios that have been known in podcasting circles as being professional companies that were podcasting. 16 out of the, what, 2 million shows out there right now, all professionally based. Now, Stephen, a few weeks ago, Months ago, really, we had a better podcasting main show, which I particularly went into promotion for the hobbyist, right? We had that whole long show where we talked about how you were going to have to promote your show because there was two million podcasts, but you could not match the promotion of these big backed companies, the money that was the millions of dollars that were backing some of these companies, because you're a hobbyist. You you're just doing it on your money that you're putting in or maybe a little bit of uh, of crowdfunded input, whether it's patreon or something like that. that's all you have. So you can't compete with the literal millions of dollars that come in and and these these shows, they've been successful. I'm not going to say they're not successful. they're successful. they get advertised revenue, right? That's a whole idea behind the behind the IAB, Uh, podcast measurement guidelines is to make it so that you can monetize your shows. We just don't talk about it here. We talk about making and perfecting your craft of creating a podcast from a hobbyist standpoint, because you think it's cool and you want to start to get into it, but there is a whole profession out there and this profession dominated the ambies. Now the podcasters Academy was always set up to be a professional sort of uh, association. Yeah. Yeah. So I get why there's not a lot of independence in there. First of all, there's a monetary hurdle to get over. Membership is $100 a year. It's not $100 one time and you're in. It's $100 a year. Now, they did lower that for a while down to $50. But the last I checked, it was still in the $50 to $100 range, which for a hobbyist could be a lot. For If you're an industry professional, like if I had my AI AA. Uh, American Association of Astronautics and Aeronautics. If I had my membership and I paid for it on an annual basis, it's hundreds or thousands of dollars, right? So just paying $100 to be involved in the Podcasters Academy a year is not that much in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about professional associations. But for the hobbyists and the independents, what really grew this industry, it is a hurdle that I think was too much. Now, would a twenty dollars annual fee have been better? Maybe? I don't know. But it alienated. And the way that the podcasters Academy entered into the scene alienated a lot of hobbyists and independents. And I don't think they've done anything to reach out to us. i mean they they tried a couple of things, but there is not an overwhelming sense in the hobbyist community and in the independent community to go out and be part of this podcasters academy, which then leads to All the shows that were in this awards are based off of the members, which are in the professional podcast industry. So that's how it came to be. Do I agree with it? No, but I understand how it came to be. I wish they would have reached out more to the hobbyists and the independents. I really wish. I think there were things that they could have done to bring more of those shows as nominees into the fold.
0: You want to know what my thoughts are on it? I'm interested. Sure. Well, I, I, uh, I put my microphone flag back on while you were talking. Oh, that, that, I, I, that was basically I, my level of attention to the Ambies. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't say anything about the uh, production value of the awards themselves because I didn't watch it. But apparently, from the quick snippets that I saw, I didn't read any articles on it, to be honest with you, but I saw some headlines and there was a couple. Ooh, it was so great. And I don't know if that's just pandering to the industry or not, but uh, it might be worth I mean, it's available to go watch. It might be worth it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, my point on that was that uh, we. My snide comment there about putting the microphone flag on because I was listening to what you were saying, but is is that basically. We speculated this was not anything we probably would pay much attention to on better podcasting because we do focus on the hobbyist. And this basically solidified to me that it's nothing we really need to track anymore. And so um, unless there's a big change or we, we see a big swing, I just don't see it. I saw someone comment before that there there needs to be... Um, I forgot what the wording was. It was something like um it, it we the independent needs to be advocated for rather than i don't know being um rather than insulting or something like that i don't remember what the exact wording was but um uh, uh let me see if i can find it so i can articulate okay. myself a little better I- okay here here's what it was um uh it's going to take a lot uh more pa- uh patient advocating not attacking um to help get the independent that's paraphrasing to help get the independent podcaster, uh, on the ambies radar. I think this pretty much solidifies that this is where they want to go. And I don't know. I don't personally think that there'll be much advocating that will help.
1: So for the players that used to be the standard in the podcasting industry, it's kind of a double-edged sword because this is what they've wanted all along. They've wanted a legitimate industry and they wanted a lot of money to go Mm -hmm. into the industry but they wanted to be the recipient of that lots of money coming in. And just as an interesting aside, the show, all 23 shows, none of them were hosted by Libsyn, Blueberry, Anchor. I know there's a lot of Anchor lovers out there. We're not one of them here on the show, but I know there's a lot of hobbyists that love Anchor. Captivate, Transistor, or SoundCloud. Those were just off the top of my head. The ones that I could see that were not represented. Podbean had one win, so it's not a show that was a Podbean show. It was a show that was hosted on Podbean, by the way. So that's it. That was the right. only like standard media hosting company out there. You know, there's a bunch of Omni. There's a bunch of Art19. There there were bigger hosting platforms out there, but the regular platforms that most hobbyists and independents use, they were not winners in any of this. And I think. If there's anybody that's going to advocate for the independent podcaster to be part of this awards next year, it's going to be those companies because they want to legitimize their part of the business. And they want to say, hey, look, we have some great shows that are hosted here. Let's put them up for awards or let's advocate them to be put up for the awards or let's pay the entry fee, whatever it is, hundred dollars, whatever it is to get on there. I could see that happening. I could see that happening with a couple of those companies in particular. Because they want the notoriety. So yes, but interesting to note, no show that had been hosted on those platforms won an AMB. I think think that's saying something. I think that's saying that the industry has shifted. And that's something that we've been saying all along here at Better Podcasting. We're still going to focus on the hobbyists. We're going to still focus on how to make your show better, given the time that you have, time, the talent. And the money that you have, that's what we're going to focus here on better podcasting. But we're also going to pay attention to this because it could ultimately affect how the hobbyist is able to do their business.
0: I think that one. Okay, I I know we could talk all night about this, but I, I do think that this is an indication that those companies that you just mentioned have lost their their grip. Mm-hmm. on being big influencers in there. And and I am talking about the likes of Libsyn, which if you didn't know, Libsyn Pro had the Joe Rogan podcast hosted up until recently, right, SB? On Libsyn Pro, didn't they?
1: Didn't they? What?
0: They had Joe Rogan hosted, right? Oh,
1: I I, th- I think they did. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where Joe was before he went to Spotify. Yeah,
0: and, and so I think th- when you look at it, it this just kind of goes to show that these companies are that that were massive players might not have they might not be in the right direction that the the big influencers are now um going with the podcast industry. I think it might have shifted a bit. Like you said, that double edged sword. So um it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. But I, I don't know that the likes of the names that you mentioned will be able to chip into it. I, I'm not thinking as optimistically.
1: Just too much money and influence outside of them right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe. So, yeah.
0: We'll see. But what are your thoughts? Get in touch with us through any of the ways. But it would be great if you'd come over to our Discord and uh, chat with us over there. And I'll try to do a better job of articulating your point if we bring it up next time. So uh, sorry, I did a terrible job there. <laughs> that's okay.
1: Talk, talking about the hobbyists, we did get another question, which I'd like to transition to now by Cynics sure. on our Discord server. He said, being a reasonably new podcast... Have you got any tips and tricks <gasps> to build a successful promotion plan, social media, advertising, and so on?
0: Do you want to take it first or should I?
1: Uh, go ahead. Okay. I've been talking for a while.
0: So my my thoughts on this is that um, you're going to have to, as a hobbyist especially, you're going to need to start by coming up with what your monetary budget is. And the reason why I say that is because if you are looking to really make like an instant plan, then you need to come up with some form of money. We're gone through, the days are gone where you go on Twitter and you put out a tweet and you have people flock to your podcast. It just doesn't happen anymore. Same thing with Facebook. So if you are actually wanting to come with a promotion plan, then you're going to need to probably come up with a budget first because you're going to then need to decide once you have that budget, where your best course of action is to put that, whether it is with boosted posts on Facebook or it is with other advertising on other podcasts or whatever that is. Anything other than having monetary commitment, I think it it basically all just boils down to interacting with the people that might be interested in your podcast. If you have no money at all, I don't know that there is really an effective plan that you can come up with other than just engaging with people, because there's not a, a lot of free opportunities out there anymore for podcasters to get eyes on their podcasts. I just don't see them. So that's kind of my take it is it's either do you have money to put towards it? Otherwise, you just got to start getting involved with the different communities that might check out your podcast.
1: So I would add that kind of in the, in the uh, uh, favor, in the arc of better podcasting, going back to episode one, the topic. In this case, I think you got to start at the ground floor and you have to go, what is your goal? What do you want to do? Do you want to build a community? Do you want to get more listeners to your show? Do you want to see your show in more places? Do you want to increase the SEO So what you do with the limited resources you have is going to depend on what your goal is. Do you want 20 more listeners? Do you want 20 more follows to your Instagram account or your Twitter account? Do you want to um, have a viral TikTok or whatever the reason is and why that is? Why do you want to do it? And once you have that and then you have how much your budget, how much you want to put into it. Then you can take a look at your options that are available to you and decide what the best use of those options are. I will say, don't ever go on Facebook and try to promote a post. It's not going to work. It really isn't. You'd be better off spending that same amount of money over on an app like Overcast and advertise on other podcasts through Overcast that way, I think, given the same amount of money. Uh, there's minimum amounts of money out there, minimum amounts of campaigns that you can do. But again, what is your goal? And then the ad that you put out there, you have to really think about what you want to say in that ad. Is it getting you the results that you want to get? And then you need to go into an execution. I mean, we did a whole podcast. Our so reference did it earlier about the whole promotion thing. You have to get yourself a plan and a routine and stick with it and get out there and talk to uh, w- who you think is your audience. And in a lot of cases, you don't ever want to promote your pod- podcast in those communities that you're talking to what would be your audience. It's counterintuitive. You just don't want to do it. There's this thing that we talk about in the promotion episode called the 80-20 rule, where you only promote your things 20% of your posts or your comments or whatever, and then 80% you're just giving value. So I think it's, in, especially for a new podcast, I think it's more like, 95.5 or 98.2, where you're only promoting a minuscule amount of time. And then you're what you're really doing is building relationships, just like Stephen was saying, building relationships over time. So if there's one thing that I could advise you, Cinex, it would be go to that promotion episode that we did for the Better Podcasting main show and find out where you can fit in there. But think about what your goal is, and then how much money you want, and then go from there. So hey, enough said, or you have something else, Stephen?
0: No, that's good. Ah, uh, thank you for filling in the pockets that I left again.
1: Are, are, are we playing uh, what, what's that uh, Canadian version of pool? Uh, billiards, with the bumpers on it. Billiards? Are we are we doing billiards or playing pool?
0: I don't know. <laughs> okay, I don't know yet. Uh, in our chat room, back to the um, Ambies. Oh can't believe I said it. Uh, Alarun said, do you think podcasting needs something just for indies like Sundance, Tribeca, or uh, South by Southwest? Here, Here's the thing. I, I personally think we're just going to basically continue on with um, pre-Big Money and post-Big Money events. It, the Ambies aren't the first podcast awards, okay? Like, there, there is... Podcast awards that existed before big money came in and i I think we'll just see some of those sort of projects just keep happening or spin off from there and and I don't think it will be to the recognition of the the likes that you just said um in other mediums, but I think it'll just be at some point who used to be the big influencers will go you know what We're not anymore. So let's just focus on our craft and uh, you'll just kind of see that status quo remain um, with with what was there before. That's what I think. Um, I don't know that you'll ever get the big fanfare that once was about um, the independence, relatively speaking.
1: Yeah, so it'll be a little bit like Sundance or South by Southwest. I will say, I don't even know if they're still going on. Of course, with the pandemic, it's hard to tell anything these days, but at DragonCon, there used to be the Parsec Awards. Mm-hmm. And the podcast that I started podcasting on was a Parsec Award winner. Yes. And my first co-host, one of my first co-hosts that I had over on the Voices of Defiance podcast was one of those winners of the Parsec Award. Uh, I, I do hold the review process, the The shows that submitted into the Parsec Awards, it it had integrity and the winners were legitimate winners. And I'm not just saying that because one of my co hosts was on there. Any of that, you could go and look at the list and still listen to the shows that are available because I don't know if they all are or not. But there is a lot. There was a lot of valuable shows that won Parsec Awards back in the day. And hopefully they're still going on. I don't know. I'm going to have to take a look at that. But that is an example of an award show that was legitimate. It had integrity and a lot of people in the industry really enjoyed it. Sure. It catered to a certain genre. I will grant you that it wasn't an all encompassing, uh, award show like the people's choice or something like that, but it was a legitimate award show that, uh, a lot of people strive to win because it, it was the award show to win at the time. So, uh, there are lots of things like that. There's drama, audio, audio drama awards in various stages there's other podcast awards out there. I do like how you phrase that, Stephen. There is the pre-big uh, money awards, and there is the post-big money awards, and uh, that that divide will always be there.
0: I've got an idea. Why don't we start the Better Podcasting Awards? And we could. And, and what it will be is just arbitrary. So, like, someone will be like, "Hey, I won an award for my podcast," and we'll be like, "Okay." So the award for May 18th, 2021 of the Better Podcasting Awards goes to whatever podcast name, and then they can be a podcast award-winning podcast.
1: Do you think that we would need them to send us a few hundred dollars so we could buy a trophy, have it engraved and ship it to them?
0: Mm, That's a good point. Maybe, maybe. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm not. Gonna
1: I am make- aware of, <laughs> of other award shows that have done that in the past. I, I haven't liked how that has gone. But if, if people want a trophy from a better podcasting award, I mean, that's how we probably have to do it.
0: I, do one of us have to sign it,
1: like with a sharpie? Maybe because I I don't want I don't like the idea of my signature being engraved in a uh, trophy. Okay. I actually want my signature on the trophy. So. Yeah, I'd be fine with a Sharpie. I could do that.
0: <laughs> uh, hey, I know you wanted to bring this up. I wanted to bring it up as well. Uh, the, Go ahead. The, there's a, a bit of a change that we've noticed just came out yesterday in the music side of things. Both Apple and Amazon are are rolling out products to give listeners better quality audio in the music side of things. This is something that it looks like they're going to be offering it for free on both sides of things. Apple's is, a, uh, is, I think, lossless music. I don't know if Amazon's is. But the bottom line on this is that we wanted to bring it up here because there's an indication that listener expectations are shifting. We actually talked about it in episode 250 of Better Podcasting, how listener expectations or, or even audio that they can get is now higher quality than it was when we started better podcasting. And so I think this could potentially be something podcasters need to keep an eye out when they're thinking about how they're producing their podcast, how they're saving their files. Because when Amazon came out with the um, the skills, what whatever you call it, the flash briefings or whatever, There was an audio bit rate that podcasters were like, this is ridiculous. It's so high compared to the standard that we like to publish in 64 kilobits per second. And at the time, there was many people, possibly myself, that were saying that, well, they're looking at the future and they're looking at a platform that also involves music. And so they're going to want that harmonization and things like that. And so if this is the case, you might not get away with your sixty-four kilobits per second if they're trying to pump higher quality audio. At the moment, I think it was still accepting them and not rejecting things that were below this the um, standard they had established. But if I was Amazon and I was Apple and I, I was wanting to make sure that I could offer people higher quality things, there would probably be a certain audio bitrate that I would just be like, "No, it's being rejected. Like, I'm, we're not putting that into the catalog." If it is not meeting that. So I think it's, it's something that you should keep an eye out for. Um, I, I don't know where it's going to go because last night we actually briefly talked about this on the official Gonna Geek show. There is the whole bandwidth consideration and that might make this a project that doesn't really go anywhere because there are lots of people who are capped for their data, whether it's by mobile or their home internet. And if this is pumping a lot of data, they might not have the allocation to do it. And then if there's not a lot of people who are using the service, then are they really going to maintain the service? So I don't know. I think it's something though, worth keeping an eye out uh, on as a podcaster because Apple Podcasts and Amazon smart speakers, trying not to say their names, um, they they are obviously things that do play podcasts.
1: So I think of this a little bit in the realm of YouTube. I know we already talked about YouTube a little bit, but you go back into the beginnings of YouTube, you see some four by three uh, low resolution uh, videos that are still available. They're still out there. You can still find them. And some have millions of views. They went viral and they're, they're out there. Uh, and I think of the audio versions of your content kind of similarly if you're putting it out there at 64 kilobits per second or even 96 kilobits per second, which I do in mono, that eventually it could get to the point where that might seem a little classy if uh, I can't find a better word for it. So you might want to think about rendering your show at a higher level if there's a market for it, just for future proofing. That would be an incredible, Incredibly advanced thinking, since a lot of podcasts don't last months, let alone (laughs) years. Fair enough. But it is possible. I mean, if you want your show available for years, a decade or so, a decade from now, the podcast that you are producing might not be in the quality of the audio that is consumed 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I will say with an audio drama with sound design or any podcast for that matter, with good sound design, it might sound better given a higher quality. So just think of that as well. If you're producing an audio drama with great sound behind it, you need to think about, can I up the quality here? And everything, all the considerations that you just said, Stephen, apply. It's the upload bandwidth. It is if you're capped on downloads. That could be an issue with your media host provider. So you got to look into that. And then if you're a simple talking head podcast, like we are here on Better Podcasting, I mean, gosh, I like our music, but I don't like our music that much. I think people can (laughs) do without a, a 312 kilobit per second better podcasting episode just with our intro and outro music. So if it's just a talking head podcast, just... 96 kilobits per second on a mono track is all you're probably ever going to need. But then again, who knows? Uh, 20 years from now, people could be like, oh, can you hear that? Can you hear that? Whatever it is. I, I don't even know what it is because speakers can't tell. And I'm an old man, so my ears aren't as good as they were when I was 20.
0: You brought up a really good point. You brought up the YouTube thing. And for a while, I've kind of thought that the allocations that a lot of these companies use for files have been very limiting for evolution of audio quality because they're they're based off of file size, so many of them. And if the standard becomes publish at 128, publish at 320, that's less time that you get to publish on your media host because it's based off of file size. I wonder if we're going to need to see a shift uh, as things end up being a higher average because presumably they've created their buckets based off of um off of you know average basically off of what an average podcast would be and and they've kind of done math based off of that the other side of things is i wonder if at some point we'll end up seeing an evolution with players and and requests that do specify audio quality. That's the YouTube thing that came in mind here because YouTube recently made a change on, I think on mobile and maybe on some desktop experiences where it no longer says 4K, 320, 720 or 360, 720. It, it actually just says like low, medium, high. And and I wonder if at some point we would get that from on the end user experience where they they would specify I want to download in medium quality and then it becomes more of a a consumer decision on what they're listening in. Like that, I I would be curious to see if at some point that ended up happening with podcasting a long way away. I don't think that the infrastructure is anywhere ready now, but that would be interesting to see.
1: Yeah. And we're constantly referencing the bandwidth or the upload limits in terms of file size. That's not De facto, always the case. For instance, Buzzsprout has limits in terms of hours. Yeah. However, however, they do limit the, uh, the the quality of the file. Like it's standard at 64 kilobits per second, but you can pay for 128. So that's just an example of uh, there is still a limit on the file size as you're uploading. Because let's face it, band- they say bandwidth is cheap. Yes, I know it's cheap. But it's really the downloads that will kill them. Because they're they're downloading tens of thousands of podcasts an hour, right? Maybe even more than that. And it, the bandwidth just adds up. The, in the RSS hits alone, really, on how some of these systems look to search for new episodes. And I know there's some changes with that. We talked about it with the uh, Apple Podcasts, but there's some changes that are ongoing there. So yeah, I I think to answer the, the the question here, or at least answer the the, the news of the week <laughs> for for Apple and Amazon, uh, yes, lossless file size could be a or lossless files could be a consideration in podcasting. There's a lot of pros. There's a lot of cons. Uh, to knowledge, though, the, what they were just talking about was music. They weren't talking about providing lossless podcasts yet, right? No,
0: it was just music.
1: Yeah. So we'll see what happens with the podcasting realm. I, I'll bet you there is an outcry from some parts of the podcast industry. that is like, well, you did it for music. Why can't you do it for podcasts? So we'll see what happens.
0: With that said, uh, if you would like to hear this episode as one time offer, one time offer. If you want to hear this episode in a FLAC format, I will save it as a FLAC format and send you the link. <laughs> That's a one time offer for you. Just ask okay. Me. You guys send me an email, though, or or I guess you could come to our Discord.
1: Are Are you gonna ID three tag that FLAC file?
0: No, I probably not. I'll probably literally just go render as render FLAC as FLAC and then leave it yeah. at that.
1: All right. <laughs> See, I could probably import the the uh, the ID three tags from using my file system as copy paste, but I, I, I mean, probably, if, if
0: no, I, I probably could too with my my system, but I'm not going to. <laughs>
1: I'm lazy. I, I, was, I was just going to say, I probably wouldn't either for this case. <laughs> we'll see how many people take that up. Now, how many people want this in Flack form? Just let us know. Just this one episode.
0: <laughs> one episode only. One time offer.
1: Podcast uh, at betterpodcasting.com.
0: Or betterpodcasting.com slash Discord, because we'd love to have you over there as well. Uh, last thing that I just kind of want to bring up here, right here and right now, is that uh, OSP, you're still getting shunned by Apple.
1: Yeah, but I haven't been active about it. So I've tried to log into both my accounts uh, a couple of times in the last week, and I still get the iTunes Connect versus the new uh, Apple Podcast uh, portal for uh, podcasting. So I think I said it two weeks ago that I need to put some time into it. I really haven't had time. Uh, my, My May has been upended by the events that occurred a few weeks ago. So I am hoping that in the transition... Over at the end of May, which is what Apple podcast says is going to happen, that uh, my account won't disappear, but I'm very fearful that my accounts will disappear. So we'll just have to play it as we go. And I can always resubmit the shows or we can make uh, other other options available for better podcasting because uh, I know Steven still has his account. So uh, the, the shows will go on. We'll just see uh, what what a count on Apple podcast that they are. <laughs> going on for and honestly our shows are available anywhere and not just on apple Podcasts. so if, if you can't find us there you can find us other places at least for a couple of days
0: you know i i have lost a show on apple Podcasts, or it was iTunes at the time you know oh, even though we didn't terrible. even though we didn't have many reviews it was a little sad to see the reviews go away i actually oh i don't have it up anymore um i i actually have a poster that had quotes from that mm. show uh, with them on there. And that is the only thing that remains of said reviews.
1: Yeah, it's, that's so bad. But yep, yeah, no joy on the new Apple Podcast Connect for either of my accounts. So we'll, we'll see how this rolls. May is coming to a close, and Apple has said by the end of May they're going to transition everybody. So we'll see.
0: All right, so that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of the show. Before we go, I do want to just mention again, we have got the Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can email us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Come by Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, because if we're not recording this show, we're recording the Better Podcasting main show. But also, if you didn't know this, SP and I do a podcast that I mentioned earlier called The Gonna Geek Show. That is something that we do with our wonderful friend, Chris Farrell. On Mondays, we talk Geek Talk. We do stream that live as well at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time. We have a a little more wacky off the rails conversation over there, but we would love to have you check that out as well. And uh, you can say, hey, I found you through Better Podcasting. And I'm sure SP will do something to make you feel appreciated that you came by the Gunna Geek Show.
1: I'll give you a woohoo. (laughs) Woohoo!
0: So for episode number 32 of Better Podcasting Live Chat, I'm Stephen John Drew saying SP, Better Podcasting Live Chat. People should definitely make sure that they come live at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time at Geeks.Live on Tuesdays.
1: And I'm SP saying you better be wearing orange when you come. Otherwise, you're not going to fit in.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of GunnaGeek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.